What's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, May 24th, 2021. I'm one of your host, Blessing, Adelia Jr. Joining me is Tim Ma-Fucking Gettys. It's brutal out here, Bless. It's so brutal out here. You listen to any more of that album? I listened to that album, no lie, 10 times all the way through this weekend. It is so quick. It's like it's 33 so minutes. Oh, yeah. Dude, albums have, been trying, albums have been trying to get shorter and shorter. And I think the thing is Spotify streaming. That's they want to get the, money, they wanna get the plays. But I'm fine with it because that means I just listen to more albums. I got more time <laughs> to listen to more music. It's fantastic. Tim, how are you exactly. doing? Exactly. I'm doing fantastic, especially because that song is literally just like debatably two or three songs done four times. <laughs> oh, so yeah. in the 36 minutes, you're just hearing like slight variations of the same thing, but it just puts you in a place. You know what I mean? I'm feeling oh, so yeah. emotional. I, I like, I just went through the worst breakup of my life and it's like, I'm happily engaged, but I feel those feelings bless. It's, it's also fantastic because I feel like we're watching somebody about to take over the world. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like the, the album came out Friday, high school musical, the musical, the series episode two came out Friday and I, like another great one, another great. Oh my God. Such a great one. It was so good that literally over the weekend, I started watching Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I would, I was, I legit was like to, to clue people in, right? High school musical, the series each season, they seem to be doing a different musical season two. They're doing Beauty and the Beast. Uh, and so they're doing covers of Beauty and the Beast songs. And they start they, episode two, they did a cover of one of the songs and had me like, shoot, Opening I just got to watch the movie. I just got to watch yeah. it because goddamn, goddamn is Disney doing the right thing. But Tim, we don't have time to talk about Disney because we got mm. big news to talk about. So Tim, let's talk about a rumored new Final Fantasy game, Biomutant reviews dropping and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games daily. To be a part of the show, to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, where bronze members or above get to write in, and silver members or above get the show ad-free with the exclusive daily post show. Housekeeping for you, it's Monday, which means we got a bunch of new shows live for you right now, uh, starting with the edited finale of me and Andy's playthrough of Resident Evil 7. That's up right now, edited by Roger McCorney. And let me tell you, that's one that you don't want to miss. I am lost, drunk, and terrified by the end of it. It is content worth watching, let me tell you. Lost, we also got terrified. We also got a new episode of the Kind of Funny podcast that went up this morning, uh, where we help a best friend get engaged. And let me tell you, that was another. A lot of the content that's going up is very chaotic because that and ended, you were involved in all of it. That's and I was why. involved. Yeah, and I was involved in all of it. Yeah, which is exactly why, because I was mad drunk during that Resident Evil Seven stream. But then, yeah, I was on the Kind of Funny podcast, which is uh, I made my rare appearance, and it was one of those ones where. Every everything was going to shit. Kevin was out of town. Uh, 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 Joey had food poisoning. I think Nick was was, was feeling not, not feeling uh, too good also. And so it was like a three person episode with Andy on the ones and twos. And we helped a man. Mm -hmm. We helped a man uh, propose to his wife. And so if that sounds not up yet. your alley, he's going to eventually. He's going to. But we came yeah. up with the battle plan that I'm feeling. We're helping him plan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go check that episode out. It's one for the books. Uh, and then we also got a new episode of Kind of Funny X Cast that went up uh, over the weekend where they talked all about what Nintendo is up to with Xbox. All of that is available right now on youtube.com slash kind of funny and youtube.com slash kind of funny games, along with your favorite podcast service. Uh, this Friday, we're battling the knockout city dev team. If we win, we get the kind of funny logo in the game. That's right. I think Greg was the one that issued the challenge on Twitter and they responded saying, we'll see you in the streets. And so we're seeing them in the streets this Friday. If we win, we get our logo in the game. If we lose, it doesn't matter because that's not going to happen. We're going to win. Uh, practice starts uh, after KFGD on Friday and the big game is happening noon Pacific time on Friday. We got to figure out who our team is because I, I know Greg's going to be in there. I assume Barrett's going to be in there. I assume the third will probably be Snowbike Mike. But I wanna I wanna get my training up because I think I, I might have the stuff also. I'm playing a lot on Knockout City Ooh. over the weekend, and I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about it. Merc I'm feeling City, pretty good baby. about where I'm at in that game. Merc City you gotta is what turn Knockout me. City into Merc City, you know. I did make that pun over the weekend when I was good, playing Knockout good, City, just so you know. Plus, yeah, I, my mind went there too. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Blackjack and Tom Bach. Today we're brought to you by Purple Mattress, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Oprah Report. It's time for some news. We have five stories today. A baker's dozen. Kevin, it sounded sound like uh, after taking a week-long break, the do 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 sound, sound a little bit weak there. It sounded a little uh, bit like they, yeah, they, yeah. 
they needed to get back, back know, up, I'm back up to snuff. I just don't got it, my guy. You don't got it? It's just not coming Kevin, out. Kevin, what's wrong? Kevin's back, baby. And I know he's back because he said the word party like 20 times in the last week to me, whether it's over text or just before the show. I think 18 of, 18 of them were right before the show. And that's Hell my yeah. favorite Kevin. Is the Kevin Coelho ready to fucking party? You ready Dude. to party, Kev? Party on, my boy. Now that we're all now that we're all near fully vaccinated, I can't wait to actually party with Kevin again, or actually yeah. party with Kevin. Period, because I didn't get to party with Kevin that much before uh, uh, the whole quarantine situation. So, Kevin, I hope you're prepared for that, bro. Next I'm coming, year, I'm coming New over. Year's, you're gonna like you're gonna New gonna Year's. Take, yeah. I'm talking, dude. I'm talking about next you week. Now, Kevin. Right. I'm coming okay, over yeah. next week. I'm Uninvited. I'm coming Let's over. Do it. Let's do it, man. Story number one: Square Enix is about to announce a new Final Fantasy game. And it's a souls like uh, this comes from Emron Khan at Fanbyte. Whoa. Over the weekend, a number of rumors have swirled about possible E3 announcements, as traditionally happens in the weeks leading up to the industry trade show. In particular, a rumor, a, a rumor seemed to swirl around two websites, Reddit and Gaming Forum Reset Era, about a new Final Fantasy spinoff that Square Enix is announcing this year. The rumor states that Square Enix is working with Team Ninja, Koei Tecmo's in-house development team behind games like Ninja Gaiden, Neo, and perhaps most, most, relevant, most relevantly, the latest entry in the Final Fantasy fighting game series, Dissidia NT. The posted rumors go on further by assigning the game a genre, something akin to Neo or the Souls games, and suggesting it takes place somewhere in or adjacent to the world of the first Final Fantasy game on the NES. Our sources have corroborated this rumor and suggest the name of the game is Final Fantasy Origin. The game, which appears to be exclusive to PlayStation 5 with a PC release further down the road, will be one of Square Enix's tentpoles at their upcoming E3 show. For whatever reason, several large chunks of the, of the undated June show have leaked out, including Final Fantasy Origin's logo and demo plans. Square Enix hopes to release an alpha demo this summer, not unlike Neo's public alphas, uh, to solicit feedback from the audience while the game is still in a fairly early state. This demo, like several other major demos, has its own title of Stranger in Paradise. Expect the title to play similar to Neo or other games in the genre, but to be more accessible for a wider audience. It's worth mentioning that anything could, could change before the final show, especially as more things leak out in the weeks ahead of E3. So this should not be misconstrued as a guarantee that the game will appear there. Tim Geddes, you're the biggest Final Fantasy fan I know. How does this strike you? Um, I'm very excited about this. This sounds very cool. The Final Fantasy world and characters are so interesting, especially like given that with the Final Fantasy core games, you know, there's not necessarily some, like characters that transfer from game to game, but kind of just the world as a whole, the rules, the chocobos, the crystals, all that stuff. There's a lot of elements that do transfer. And the idea of this being a different style of game for Final Fantasy, even more action-based than some of the uh, more recent modern Final Fantasy games like 15 or what 16 looks like in Final Fantasy 7 Remake as well. Uh, going more into the Souls area, I think this is interesting. And I think especially with the teams they're talking about here of, um, where was it? Team Ninja, Team Ninja, right? Yeah. Like working on it, that's that's pretty interesting. Obviously, Square have a legacy in that as well. Um, Final Fantasy Origins as a name, cool, interesting. It definitely gives spinoff vibes, which this clearly would be. Um, Final Fantasy Origins, if I remember correctly, already was a game. I'm pretty sure that was a collection on the PS1 of mm -hmm. old Super Nintendo games. Not that that matters. Um, but I think this is really cool, really interesting. The big question is, are we actually going to see it at this E3? We know Square is going to be at E3. Then they were part of the, the logos of all the different groups that are going to be there from the ESA. Uh, but on top of that, the last time we saw the Square Enix Presents in March, I think it was, that ended with the Battle for Wakanda stuff mm -hmm. in, yeah. for Marvel Avengers, they said there's going to be a summer... Square Enix presents. So all this would add up to, yeah, at some point during E3, it could make sense to to show this off. But like Imran says, Square especially, just because something leaks doesn't mean that it's imminent. <laughs> like for sure, it could be way down. Like it could be later this year. It could be a random Tuesday. There's there's not really consistency when it comes to that. But no matter what, I'm very excited not only for E3 but for Square's E3. Like what they're in a good place right now where. There's a lot of exciting projects that we either know about or are rumored like this, right? Like, and a lot of them are Final Fantasy projects. There's Final Fantasy 16. Can't wait to see more about that. We know that Final Fantasy 7 Remake 2 is happening at some point, although it's not officially announced yet. 
right? Mm -hmm. Like, we don't know the skew of it. We don't know the actual title or whatever it's going to be. And then we have Final Fantasy Origins, all very different games, but very interesting to me. And I'm excited and hope, and I expect that we'll see this there. Yeah, this is very fascinating. I really like the idea of this as somebody who played Final Fantasy VII Remake, absolutely adored it, and somebody who now, you know, I'm I'm uh, really digging the Souls games. Like, I really loved Bloodborne when I played it. I, I played Sekiro Shadows Die Twice right after that. And the idea of putting out a Final Fantasy Souls-like game, sign me up. I'm going to play that all day, every day. Uh, mm. That sounds super hype. Uh, you were right about uh, there being a Final Fantasy game called Final Fantasy Origins that was on the PS1, but that seems like such a long-ago long thing that yeah. they could put out another Final Fantasy Origin and people aren't even going to... aren't. Totally. People aren't going to look twice. People are like, oh, okay, cool. We get what this is. Also, uh, interesting that it's just called Final Fantasy Origin, not Origins. Origins. So they take, they're yeah. taking off the, the S. But either way, I feel like Origins is one of those words that you can strap onto any 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 game title, and it'll work. You know, Assassin's Creed Origins. You can make a Mar- Super Mario Origins. I'm sure it'll work out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, this. Th- I think this does uh, speak to there being a very exciting E3 show for Square Enix coming up. You know, like I, I would have expected the a Square Enix E3 show to be centered around something like Final Fantasy 16. But I think the question comes up of, all right, but how far away is that? Are they in a place where they want to give? I wanted a, to a, know a breakdown. Yeah, if I if I want to know how far away, um, but there being a different Final Fantasy game that could be a huge deal given that they're giving it to team ninja right and they're and they're putting that talent that they have uh behind neo putting that behind final fantasy that could be very big and i think speaks to what could be maybe another golden era for final fantasy right like coming off of final fantasy uh 7 remake leading into final fantasy 16 seeing how much people love final fantasy 14 like tim as somebody who's clued into final fantasy would you say that right now is probably one of the best times to be a final fantasy fan Oh, I mean, yes, absolutely. Uh, to answer that question, I thought you were going to mm-hmm. ask me something different. But yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, Final Fantasy VII Remake being as good as it was is definitely a surprise to many, many people, right? Like a tumultuous development cycle. One of those unicorn games that was like, is it ever really actually going to happen? And then it did. And it was great. It was fantastic. And then we see Final Fantasy 16 and it looks really good so far. My biggest question is, and then Final 14 has been killing it and like just continues to kill it and dominate, right? And then this new one kind of jumping off the popularity of these Souls-like games, especially this kind of like simpler toned down a little bit Souls-like game, like a Jedi Fallen Order type. Yeah. Like those games are important. Like those games, obviously the genre is something that every uh, many people like to latch onto and are interested in, but a lot of people find it inaccessible. So it's like being able to take a, a mainstream IP like Star Wars or Final Fantasy in, in mm-hmm. the gaming world and kind of giving it the, the Final Fantasy coat of paint on that type of game, I think is going to speak to a lot of people. My question is, is it too much at once? You know, we look at mm-hmm. Nintendo a lot and we talk about Mario games and it's like, oh, it's too much Mario. But when you really break it down, a lot of the Marios are different enough that it's like a 2D and 3D Mario can coexist. And they not only don't eat each other's uh, market share, but they're also completely different gameplay experiences. My question here is at what point is Square putting out too many games that are this similar, that are this type, that as Final Fantasy games start blending more and more towards the action side, more le- away from the turn-based strategy we saw, we see in like Project Octopath or things like that, right? Because on top of Final Fantasy 16, Final Fantasy 7 Remake to whatever, and this, they also have Project Athia, which is now called Don't Tell Me. You got it. I, it is not Forsaken. It is nope. Forspoken. Forspoken. It is Forspoken. There you go. Boom. They also have Forspoken. What type of game is that going to be? And how does that all fit into this? And I'm not saying they can't all fit side by side. And if they're all quality experiences, they'll speak for themselves. But what? how are they going to differentiate all of these things and and still tell people, no, they're all equally important. None of these are lesser than. That's the biggest challenge they're going to face. Yeah. This this reminds me of what we're seeing happen with, I think, a lot of the bigger franchises uh, at different publishers. Like Resident Evil, for example. Resident Evil is basically an Wise franchise. We've gotten yearly Resident Evil installments for uh, the, the last few years between Resident Evil 7, re- 2 Remake, 3 Remake, and now Resident Evil Village. 
uh, we've been talking a lot in the last few months about PlayStation and, and the reports that were coming out uh, about Naughty Dog and uh, a possible Last of Us remake. And, you know, that's been leading me to the idea of, OK, cool, I can see I can see PlayStation leaning into what if we found a bunch of ways to uh, to put out Last of Us releases that don't necessarily have to be a Last of Us 3. Right. What if what if we did Last of Us remake? What if we did uh, Last of Us Factions? What if we put first out of Netflix, us. a Netflix show? What if you put out the first of us? Uh, uh, but this strikes me in, in, in a way that uh, I could see them doing the same thing with Final Fantasy, trying to make it an annualized thing. We're about, we got Final Fantasy VII Remake last year. We're about to get Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. What if next year is this Final Fantasy Origins game? And then what if the year after that is Final Fantasy sixteen? And what if the year after that is Final Fantasy VII Remake? I think to your question, is that too much? I think that comes back to exactly what you said making sure that they all breathe on their own and have their own space and feel equally important, but then also making sure that they don't overlap with each other. Very interesting point too, that I forgot to make a second ago. These are all PlayStation exclusives. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're about right? to get into that, uh, Tim, because like, Carl like, writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says, Hey gang, happy Monday. I'm primarily an Xbox gamer with the news, with the news today that final fantasy or- origins or origin will be exclusive to ps5 and pc at a later date i can't help but feel left out when it comes to missing out on final fantasy 7 remake final fantasy 16 and now this and but, project athia and project athia but the online discourse to me is a bit non-existent on sony's and square's exclusive relationship i as an xbox gamer cannot rely cannot reliably depend on ever getting a final fantasy game within a reasonable time period but the gaming news outlets never cover this exclusive news in an equitable way why is it okay for final fantasy games to continue to be exclusive to the sony platform and why isn't there outsized backlash i think i understand some of the reasoning but i just wish there was a bit more public pressure to extend this conversation to be more exclusive to be more inclusive than a uh sony and square go back years so there's uh so there's history there and it makes it okay honestly i just wish there was some more there was there was some transparency on how long these deals last i would be i would be probably okay if i knew uh, i would i would be getting the new final fantasy games after 12 months 18 months etc but the lack of transparency from sony slash square really really takes the wins out of my sales cheers uh so there's a lot there from carl but tim like yeah speaking to it as a playstation exclusive like where are we about to go with that well, I'm just saying that, like, in terms of the, is it too much? It's like we are now all of a sudden focusing even more on it. Is it too much for one audience? Because it's like, if it was, oh, this one's Xbox exclusive, this one's PlayStation exclusive, they wouldn't really need to worry about that too much because they're speaking to different audiences and they're marketing to different audiences. But this way, it's like not only are, are all of these more action based Final Fantasy games that whose identity is, in my opinion, kind of getting more and more similar as time goes on. Like looking at these Final Fantasy games, I doubt they're gonna look as drastically different as Final Fantasy games used to look compared to each other. And all of them being exclusive to PlayStation 5, all of the console exclusive at least. And you got to imagine some type of uh, launch schedule like you were talking about that may begin as early as end of this year, potentially it's square so probably not mm-hmm. but potentially uh if not early next year i would assume and then just kind of like boom 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 throughout the the year after year and a half after that right that's a lot uh but if it's a lot of good then that's going to be fantastic for playstation fans to carl's question do you feel like we don't highlight the exclusivity part of it enough like do you do you think they're should be either backlash or more, more of a discussion of like why are the final fantasy games all exclusive to playstation because i think for me and you like people and, and for plenty of the audience right people who are tuned in and following all this stuff right <clears throat> like i think there's the understanding of oh yeah there's a partnership going on here like you know square square enix and playstation are a buddy buddy and playstation is forking up the money so that they can get final fantasy games exclusive on the platform and i think for us it kind of ends there because that's an understandable thing but is there is there more there to to dig into in terms of like hey should this be a thing is this fair to other players i mean that's that's the thing is like this whole exclusives conversation can get very complicated very quickly because at the end of the day it's like would we all want all games to be accessible to all people absolutely right mm-hmm. like why why would we want to hold back experiences from anybody but there's realities to the business of these things being made and in my opinion, I am a fan of exclusives because they mean more money being put behind things. They mean more specialized development for a specific console. And I especially like them, obviously, for first parties that are 
purely built upon building on this one console because every single step learns you know it allows things like the uh the gorilla engine to be then used in other games right and you these developers can kind of share this growth together uh in in improving all their games and the knowledge and all that stuff uh and it also creates an ecosystem that's worth investing in a console for that's why i bought a playstation 5 is for playstation 5 exclusives those mm. are the type of games that speak to me right and they have built a narrative around that the PlayStation 5 exclusives have a meaning to them. So cool, they did their job there. Meanwhile, on Xbox side, then buying Bethesda, all this conversation going on, it's the same idea, right? It's building a case on why you need this console. And I do think that there is a value there. And I think that the thing that I don't like is when it starts getting a little bit confusing and hazy on times and dates. And okay, it's a time, like timed exclusives, I think suck. Like that's not, not that is that's it getting to the point of buying marketing in a way that like feels extra shady and feels like it's not really getting all of the benefits of the things I talked about earlier about being built from the ground up for this console and made for this experience. And it's going to have dual sense stuff. It's going to have all this or on the Xbox side, you know, just kind of more leaning into the things that make Xbox unique. Right. Mm -hmm. So for Final Fantasy to be kind of tied to Sony in this way, I think is it's fantastic for PS5 owners, and it's a fantastic way to convince people to become PS5 owners. Now, are there enough PS5s in the wild? That's a whole other conversation that makes exclusives even more complicated in this moment in time right now, because even some of the biggest Final Fantasy fans can't get their hands on the console to be able to play the games even if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of context and a lot of, like, situational stuff that goes into it you know I, I think for me for the most part when it comes to uh housemark making returnal exclusive for the playstation 5 right like i think that's a super exciting thing because one playstation and housemark have that have that relationship and then also housemark probably wouldn't be able to make returnal without the backing of playstation and the budget that they're getting there uh in that support you know i look at playstation and uh playstation acquiring insomniac right and how big of a move that was and i think that's that's something that works and is awesome because uh insomniac had already made uh spider-man as a playstation exclusive playstation first party game and with how successful it was right like them buying insomniac guarantees that we're going to see more of those types of releases for playstation and in turn microsoft buying bethesda is one that i think for me i was a little bit like oh man you know like i wasn't i wasn't like excited about it i wasn't like super over the moon about it but that's mainly because i'm such a fan of bethesda games and i'm also like i also use playstation as my main platform but it's also that thing of like understanding that oh yeah this is a business move right like this is what you do to keep to keep your platform vibrant uh and also like i'm sure having that backing of microsoft is going to do a lot for bethesda as a company in terms of them feeling more comfortable to take times times of their releases and uh not feel compelled to put out a fallout 76 or a wolfstein youngblood uh and so like it, it's it's kind of give and take for me there are situations like Deathloop being announced as a playstation exclusive both Deathloop and ghostwire tokyo where i look at that and i and i think my first reaction was one damn that's a, that's such a move for sony to like put up the money to get this game get these games that were already announced as timed exclusives but then also like they were kind of weird though they no they were they were announced at bethesda's e, uh, e3 i believe like the year prior and then later on during last year's uh 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 playstation 5 reveal that's when they put the exclusive stamp on them is that right damn yeah yeah which i think is like a little bit like a uh i don't know how i feel about about that but again it kind of comes back to i guess it's i guess it's business i guess it's what you do to get people excited about this new console you're about to that, that you're about to launch uh and those games are obviously eventually going to come to other platforms but i think it's such a there, there's so much to uh, 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 look into it in terms of context and and rollout and all that stuff that it's, you know, for me, it's, it, for me, it, it's not like a black and white thing, right? It's a Carl's question, right? Like it's hard for me to, it's hard, it's it's hard for me to look at Final Fantasy games coming exclusive to PlayStation and automatically go, ah, oh, goddamn, how dare you? That's bad. When I don't know, I think there's just so much behind it uh, and so much that you kind of got to look into. Yeah, totally, man. This is gonna be a conversation we continue to have forever as video games grow and turn into something that is more accessible to to more people because video games started out and to this day are an expensive hobby right it's not like Hmm. people can just go out and play any game they want because these things have very high retail value right like for these experiences that's why the game prices keep going up and we're at 70 dollars there's an expectation of 70 dollars worth of content that we compare to going to watch a movie or going to uh to buy a book or whatever it is for significantly cheaper right and i think that when we're looking at these exclusives to me it makes the most sense 
for multiplayer games to not be exclusive. Like you are limiting your player base, you're limiting your the scope of really like what the game even could be. Whereas the more single player things, the more prestige titles being exclusive makes sense to me because they again are being built from the ground up for one thing. You bring it up the death loop stuff. It's like, yeah, that is an example to me of like the shady shit that I don't like. And shady is a weird word to even use. It's business. And it's like these these moves are being made. None, none of this is being made for you. No yeah, decision like that is, here. That is, is a pure capitalistic move right there. Yeah, but it's like that's just it working. And it, they are trying to entice you to buy an Xbox. And it's like, bless. Like if you didn't have an Xbox and Bethesda games are exclusive to Xbox. I'm buying an Xbox. You're buying a fucking Xbox. Yeah. And you have the means to do that. Or you'd figure for that sure. out. Or you wouldn't play the games. And yeah, that's or I'd all play it on totally PC. Like okay. I would find a for me, I would find a With way to Game play Pass Bethesda and games. All that stuff. It's like yeah. it is gonna be easier than ever to find a way to play Xbox games. So the Xbox exclusive side of stuff, I think, is a little less dire. On the PlayStation mm-hmm. side, it's like, yeah, it, let's pretend it was easy to get a PS5. You can get one if you want to. That's an investment you're making. You're buying this console to tell Sony you want more of these experiences and they're going to keep making them because they want more people to buy the console. That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. Tim, let's move on to story number two. Uh, Biomutant, the review embargo is up. Uh, I'm going to pull from multiple sources citing the reviews. Uh, I'm going to start off with Metacritic right now. Biomutant, as of the time I checked, and this was like fresh when the review embargo uh, went up, and so these numbers have probably changed. Uh, feel free to hit me up in kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong if they have. Uh, right now on Metacritic, uh, it was sitting at a 64 on PS4 and then a 69, nice, on PC. Uh, I'm going to start off with Luke Riley at IGN, who gave it a 6 out of 10 and said, with excellent enemy creature design, a rich and diverse world, and piles and piles of choice when it comes to combat and customization, Biomutant has a lot of the building blocks of a top-drawer action RPG. It's really missing only a few, but they're big ones. Its cookie-cutter approach to objective and puzzles feels two or so generations off pace, uh, uh, off the pace of other open-world action games, uh, and that leaves the quest to gather all the things feeling repetitive early on. John Bales at Video Games Chronicle gave it a 2 out of 5 and says, Biomutant's feature list seems to include everything a successful open-world action RPG needs. But journey, th- journey through its towns, fields, and bunkers, and there's no intrigue in its exploration or weight in its relationship building. Not even a worthy combat challenge to hold everything together. With so many ideas left underdeveloped, it wastes a setting that had far more potential. And then Richard Wakeling at GameSpot gave it a 6 out of 10 and says, Biomutant often has these moments where its systems don't quite cooperate and you end up with something uneven. While combat is fun in moderation and the crafting system is bizarre in all the right ways, the flip side of this is dull and monotonous quest design, a forgettable story, and hollow morality. There's still an enjoyable game here, but a lot of unfortunate caveats come attached to that statement. Yet while it might not always hit the mark, Biomutant is an ambitiously flawed game from a small studio, and the games industry could always use more risky endeavors like this one. Uh, and before I even continue, right, I should catch people up. Biomutant, if you somehow missed it, is the open world game. It's, uh, I don't know the name of the developer, but it's being, it's being published by THQ Nordic. Uh, and it's this open world game where you play as a rodent, has a lot of action RPG mechanics. Uh, I played a little bit during the review period, but bounced off very quickly. One, because I had plenty of other things to play. I really wanted to get back to Mass Effect, uh, but also immediately, Im- immediately didn't capture me. And it's one that I was looking forward to for a while because from its reveal stuff, it looked really cool. You know, I think the style is really cool. I think it has a really cool gimmick in terms of playing as this small cat rat creature with a sword and a gun. Like all that stuff seemed really, really cool and really fun to me. But after getting my hands on it, I think the, th- the thing that immediately screamed out to me was, oh shit, this really is the return to the double A space. This really is, and not in a good way, because I think you can have mm. that in, in, in a good way. But this just does it, it. This doesn't have the polish I feel like it needs. It feels like it's going for. Uh, having a big open world, right? A big open world RPG game, but not having the budget uh, or like the the resources to back that up. And so a lot of a, a, um, a lot of ways. Uh, in when I was first jumping into the game, it immediately felt empty and and, and lacking in a lot of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. But Tim, for you, like, have you been keeping up with Biomutant at all, or do you have any interest of trying it out? Yeah, 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 I'm right there with you. Where when they first announced it, I was like, "Oh, this looks super cool!" Like, I love the the character designs and the just kind of aesthetic of the like the like claymation almost look that it has. I was looking it up. the The developer team is Experiment One Hundred One. Mm-hmm. So, and I think so this there, is their first game too. Uh, and yeah, I was up. seeing it's a, a team of twenty. 
mm-hmm. uh, that put the game together. So there's a lot of factors that go into this of just like kind of explaining why it is what it is and why, why it's getting the reviews. But what I think is interesting is what you bring up about this double A space thing, where it's interesting to me that this game's getting sixes. Like sixes is such a, a rare review score from some of the more popular websites. And, you know, we've talked a lot over the years about review scores and like what they mean, what they should mean, should they exist, all this stuff. But people often complain about the IGNs and GameSpots of like, oh, the scale's really only a seven to 10, you know? Uh, and if the game's really, really, really bad, we'll give it like a three. And like, we don't explore the scale that much. And the reason for that is there's just a lot that goes into the economics and economy of uh the the whole the review system of like certain games don't get reviewed a lot of games that would get sixes just simply don't get reviewed because they don't have that type of press or interest in them right and then there's the other side of that of like the games that are getting reviewed are usually of a certain polish and a certain level that it's kind of like the baseline starts around a seven not a five you know so for a game like this to come out to get the reviews and to be across the board getting a lot of sixes and averaging around that level is surprising to me and it, it is a sign of like, wow, games are kind of ex- like they kind of like were started off really broad, got really fine tuned and now are broadening out again. And I, and I wonder yeah. where this is going to, to to lead us and where it's going to end, especially as we have things like Game Pass that have kind of created new forms, new ways that developers can get revenue for for different projects. I'm not saying that this is on Game Pass, but I'm just saying in, in general, like there's there's different homes there's different ways for people to experience games and make games make money so interesting yeah yeah and that's my thing too is i hope we continue to see these types of these types of games continue to come out you know and like i like biomutant seems to not be uh the hit that it that it necessarily wanted to be right but like i do like the idea of a game this interesting looking this unique you know this different coming out and being this open world action game you know i think i i think i think that's super dope and when i talk about uh, it being a double a game and feeling like it, it's brought back double a in a way you know I, I think of games like uh hellblade's newest sacrifice which to me was also a double a game to some extent i think they called it triple i being like triple a indie but i would just call that double a and it used that space very well you know like it didn't go for super broad scope it didn't go for uh uh trying to be like this mainstream hit success hellblade was a game where they were like cool let's do three things exceptionally well and that's going to make our game a success right like let's have uh let's have uh the graphics and the style of it be super dope let's go for using uh, telling this unique story using binaural audio as, as the um the big tech thing we're doing and let's have that be super dope right and let's have like a fun puzzle design or, or, or uh, um and all that stuff right and they and they made that work and it was super awesome and super super successful and biomutant upon starting it i was like okay this seems like it's rough in some places but if they can hone this in a way, I could see this being the, the game where we're like, okay, cool. It's not a 10 out of 10 by any means. It's not necessarily a fantastic open world game, but Bob Eaton did these two or three things really well, and that's going to make a special game for a lot of people. I don't know if that's how it's necessarily going to go, given these reviews, even though I've seen a couple of people on Twitter and, and online be like, no, actually, no, I do like this game. Um, you know, like I, I, I think you have the shot to do that when you're putting out this type of game to figure out like the few things that you're going to do well to make it stick with people. Uh, and that's the thing I kind of miss about double double A games when they were way more prevalent during like the PS2 era even. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like I, I, I'm curious to see as more people get their hands on Biomutant, like what the impressions continue to be like. And if there is the group of people that are like, no, we love Biomutant because of the of style course. or because of whatever, always whatever will it be. is. Yeah. <laughs> But that's even that's still an, an exciting thing though because you know it's awesome it's it's awesome that that those people get a game for them you know it's awesome that uh, uh, a unique game can can find an audience and they can speak to the audience. Tim, before we get into the next news story, I want to tell you about our sponsors. Of course, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/KindOfFunnyGames where you can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Purple. As the world becomes increasingly uncomfortable, we're all looking for as much comfort as we can get in. I know that's true, and that's why I love my Purple Pillow. Purple makes mattresses, but they make pillows too, and the pillow is my favorite thing because it never gets too warm. You never need to flip it to the cold side of the pillow because both sides are the cold side of the pillow. It's fantastic, the technology. I don't understand it. Purple is comfort reinvented. Only Purple has the grid, a stretchy gel material that's amazingly supportive for your back and legs while cushioning your shoulders, 
neck and hips. Uh, and that's the thing, Joey, she's been living this life on this mattress, this beautiful purple mattress, feeling so good because of this grid. And I've been using the pillow and I love it so much. Uh, because of how it's designed, the grid doesn't trap air. Air actually circulates and flows through it. So you never overheat and I love that. Uh, the grid bounces back as you move and shift, unlike memory foam, which remembers everything. That's why memory foam has craters and divots here. It's exactly what you want it to be. Uh, right now, you can try out Purple Mattress risk-free with free shipping and returns. Financing is available too. Purple really is comfort for an uncomfortable world. Right now, you can get 10% off any order of $200 or more. Go to purple.com slash games10 and use promo code games10. That's purple.com slash games10 promo code games10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more purple.com slash games10 promo code games10 terms apply I love purple really Tim let's talk about story number three we got a new image from the Uncharted movie that's right the movie that's been being worked on for the last decade it feels like uh, mm -hmm. we're finally getting some more substantial content from it uh, this was substantial out this content <laughs> substantial content being one shot <laughs> <laughs> This tweet out this morning, it originally came from New York Times, but I'm pulling from Nibel on Twitter. Uh, and it's an image of uh, Tom Holland as Nathan Drake standing in front of Sully with a flashlight. They're in what looks like a cathedral, probably like an older cathedral. Uh, and man, Tim, are you excited for this? You know, look, at this point, I am excited for this movie. This right. this does nothing for that excitement. And, and, you know, this only raises negative questions. But look. Going into this movie, it is what it is. I really enjoy Tom Holland. I really enjoy Mark Wahlberg bumbling around doing stuff. I like enjoy the, Where's the mustache? Where he's, the fuck is the mustache, man? He's in a Henley. What more could you want? Like, a lot it, more. It's basically it's, the outfit. Sully's, Sully's the bigger problem here. He, he's going to grow a mustache. Don't but worry. Like, probably, even it'll probably Tom start. Holland, it'll be old how, with a mustache. How a old is, chat? you can tell me, how old is Nathan supposed to be in this movie? Because Tom Holland is still, Tom Holland just permanently looks like he's 19 years old. Yeah. That's my issue. And if I mean, he's look, supposed to be younger, Nathan Drake, I, then that's fine. No, I think is. they talked about it. Yeah. This is okay. supposed to be like prequel, but it's also not in the same timeline. This is its own thing. So it, like us comparing it is like silly For to sure. an extent. I will say though, that one of my least favorite things in these type of movies is he doesn't have a mustache now. And then at the end, he's going to have his mustache. And it's like, that's supposed to be a big reveal. That's a origin. weird thing about mustaches yeah we don't need a, an origin story for the mustache is it gonna make me get hyped when i see it yeah it's gonna because that's just cheap fucking bullshit that they do that's how our emotions work blessing there's no mustache i'm sad there is a mustache i'm happy remember the remember at the end of the sonic the hedgehog movie where they revealed a big a big character that we'll probably see in the sequel yeah that was pretty hype that was pretty that was a good way to do it that was a good way to do it shout out to them uh Nibel followed up his tweet with a quote from the New York Times article saying uh, that a Sony spokesperson shot down the rumors of a God of War movie slash TV adaptation. Uh, the article quote goes like this. Sony games like Twisted Metal and Ghost of Tsushima are also getting the TV and film treatment. Uh, contrary to speculation, one that is not, at least anytime soon, uh, according to, to a Sony sp spokesperson, is God of War. And so don't expect that, even though I would want that. Mm -hmm. If I could choose a Sony property to get an adaptation, I think God of War would have been the first one. You know, I'd want that more than Uncharted or a, um, a Last of Us, even though I love them. But like, they're already cinematic. You know, yeah, God of War, I, mean, I feel like has so much room to do shit with. God of War all, also cinematic, but I think is a more interesting idea in terms of how to tackle that as a movie, especially when you could go back to Greece uh, or like you know ancient Greece and 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 do it that way. Yeah, I'm interested. I I would rather than like have a couple uh tries before they go try to tackle god of war because i think Fair. that god of war has the biggest potential to really make it really be a big hit uncharted does too though if this this movie just needs to be serviceable for it to be a, a launch point for sony kind of being in, in this kind of medium and, and really focusing on the the sony studios of the tv stuff and movies and that potentially turning into something cool i wish they were all fantastic out the gate I highly doubt that's going to be the case from everything we've seen in this movie, but it's also interesting. This movie's coming out supposedly the same year an Indiana Jones movie's coming out. <laughs> so, I mean, given will the it track be better record, than that, I don't the, know. The track record of Indiana Jones movies, specifically the last one, this has a chance to be the better movie. You know, like if the, if the, if the next Indiana Jones movie is Kingdom of the Crystal Skull level, then Uncharted is looking really good going up against that. Yeah, yeah, you know. 
Yeah. Do you think this be is better? Do you think this ends up being better than the Sonic the Hedgehog movie? No, I don't. Because I think the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is good because it didn't really try to be a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. It just had Sonic the Hedgehog and it was just like a decent kids comedy movie. And like mm. it nailed that with yeah. Sonic elements. <clears throat> Whereas Uncharted, it's like we're all going to be comparing it to uncharted yep. which we already compared to uh indiana jo it's like there's so many things where i feel like this movie is going to let a lot of people down in a lot of different ways no matter how good it is uh last question in the event that they make a god of war movie who plays kratos it really depends on timing of, of when mm -hmm. this thing when this actually comes out i mean i hope they just straight up use the voice actor but i don't yeah. think they would do that yeah. he would but be incredible like, like he's still, he has the build for it yeah Right? Like, the man's very fit and muscular. See, what I would want, and this wouldn't work, and I know this wouldn't work, but I'm going to say it anyway. I want Mahershala Ali to get super jacked <laughs> and play Kratos. You know, like, I, I think the only thing that would keep Mahershala Ali from it is that he just doesn't have the build for it. But yeah. I think if he got that build, oh, man, that would be yeah. an incredible Kratos right there. Hey, honestly, like, I, I think that it could be interesting if it didn't have the giant build that Kratos has. Cause like, that's the thing where, and I know at this point I just bitched about Sully not having a mustache, but I mm. think the difference is like, Sully doesn't have much more to his character besides his fucking mustache. <laughs> yes, he smokes cigars. I'm I'm like, You're right. Good point. He good smokes point. cigars all the but time. But it's like, you know, we look at Wonder Woman and everyone was just like, oh my God, Gal Gadot can't be fucking Wonder Woman. And she mm -hmm. did great. Like not saying her movies were great, not saying what she was given was great, but she's great as Wonder Woman. So That's I fair. think that reimaginings uh, of people and like even Tomb Raider, right? It's like, we got the, the recent movies and it's just like, you look at her like, that doesn't look like the Lara Croft I know. It's like, yeah, well, it doesn't need to. Somebody in chat says Danny DeVito, which I would be super down for that uh, uh, God of War movie. Fantastic. Tim, speaking of things that are, uh, man, I had I had a transition and I lost it. I was going to say, speaking of things that like don't go together well or th things that don't fit. Speaking of random casting, story number four, uh, Rockstar Games announces its own record label. This comes from a press release that they put out this morning. Music has always been a fundamental part of Rockstar Games, from the championing of underground artists and scenes across our titles to the meticulously curated radio stations of the Grand Theft Auto series and the introdu introduction of fully realized digital nightclubs in Grand Theft Auto Online with the After Hours update, as well as expanding the possibilities for in-game social spaces and music discovery with the release of the Cayo Perico heist. Now we're, f we're further fusing the physical and digital worlds of entertainment by teaming up with Circo Loco, creators of some of the world's biggest and most influential real-world parties and one of the most recognized music brands in modern dance music, to create a brand new record label, Circo, Circo Loco Records. Circo Loco Records is bringing together familiar names from the world of GTA Online and Circo Loco's past and future in a brand new way, supporting dance music culture during one of the most fraught periods ever experienced for clubs and club culture. Tim, you excited for Circo Loco Records? Brought to you by Rockstar Games. Man, like, I, I love the idea of this. I am somebody that bought the gta vice city set on cds that came out uh back when the game came out where each cd was a different one of the radio stations and it had like the dj kind of like running through the track list as it went through it was fantastic gta has always had a really good sense of culture and music and all that stuff so this doesn't surprise me it's a little weird and i'm not familiar with circle loco but the way they're describing it i'm like yeah this sounds like there is weirdly a lot of synergy there that could make a lot of sense <laughs> I just want them to put out GTA 6, Tim. Why haven't we gotten GTA 6 yet? Why I don't know, it? man. I don't know. I, I'm really interested. Can you imagine the day it happens? I'll never forget the day GTA 5 was announced. Oh, my God, when, yeah. The day GTA 5 was announced, it was like when that, when that trailer dropped, it was one of those everything in the world's kind of stopped and we're, yep. we're focusing on this. Because I remember that day I was working at IGN, and then when we left, me and Kev went to a Best Buy, and it was just playing on all of the TVs. I don't know who did that, but someone decided to make the GTA player just play on GTA trailer, play on loop on all the TVs, and it felt like a cultural zeitgeist moment. God, I want that hype again. I can't mm -hmm. wait. I really hope that's like, I hope they reveal it this year, but something tells me that, that they won't for some reason. Like, I feel when you look at the timeline, like this year should be the year that they reveal a GTA 6. But in my gut, my gut tells me, no, don't hope for it because it's not going to happen. I, Maybe that's just me protecting my own my own emotions. I but, think any any shot of GTA 6 being announced this year has been dashed by 
just the world and where the things world. are at. And like the biggest thing yeah. being just the amount of next gen consoles that aren't in the homes of people that want them. Yeah, I guess that's fair. That's fair. Tim, let's wrap mm-hmm. up the Roper Report with our last news story. Story number five. Watch Dogs was originally a driver game. This is from Matt Perslow at IG. Tim, you remember Driver? Oh, yeah. Driver San Francisco, baby. Of course. Oh, yeah. Wait, did you do the PS3 one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that, too. I feel like that's not the one people go to usually for Driver, but... I wasn't a Driver fan, okay. to be clear. I rented them all and played them all for a weekend, and I just kept going back. That was a different okay. type of games. That was back in the Biomutant days. You know what I mean? Yes. Like the, when 1, we were getting those games. It's like, all right, fuck it. Just playing video games is fun. I'll take anything. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to pull from Matt Perslow at IGN who writes this. Ubisoft's Watch Dogs series originally started life as a game in the, in the Driver franchise, according to a new report. As detailed by VG247, a source within Ubisoft has revealed that Ubisoft Montreal was, was originally developing a new driver game rather than creating a new IP. Much like previous driver game Parallel Lines, which involved on-foot segments and shooting, this new driver game was similar to Grand Theft Auto in design. The new addition, to, it, new, the new addition though, was hacking. Quote, the game that was released as Watch Dogs started life as a sequel in the Driver franchise, but was always largely what you see, see in the final product, uh, the source told VG247. It was always modern day, had on-foot, parkour, uh, combat, as well as driving, all set in a large open-world city, and the main hook was always modern technology and hacking. After a while, trying to make this concept fit into the Driver franchise, the decision was made to turn it into its own new IP, end quote. A second source, a former Ubisoft employee, told VG247 that this game was transformed into Watch Dogs after Driver San Francisco failed to generate many sales. Quote, they just did their own thing and convinced Yves Guillemot he could have his, his own GTA instead of the low-selling Driver, said the source. One, them calling Watch Dogs like, Ubisoft's own GTA, I think is hilarious. Uh, well, that was, the, that was the goal, right? That was the goal, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, too, I, I think this is fascinating. You know, I think when you look at it, it kind of makes sense in terms of the IP that Ubisoft already owns and what Watch Dogs is. Yeah, they could have just easily called it Driver Watch Dogs, and it would have been the same game. Yeah, it's really interesting. I love things like this where it's like, oh, the game was this, and then it turned into that and like shed the IP and created this new thing. Like It reminds me of uh, Resident Evil 4 or turning into Devil May Cry. And it's just like, that's yeah. so fucking cool that, like, there existed a Resident Evil 4 that was in the castle of Devil May Cry, <laughs> like with the isometric perspective and all that stuff. And then they were like, oh, no, this is something else. And then we got Resident Evil fucking 4, which I know you're a hater of, bless. But at the time, it was crazy that that happened. Was it, though? Was it? The- I'm just kidding. I know it was good. Yeah, at the I know. Just fuck with you, too. But, man. Yeah, no, this is, I, I love these stories, too. I love, I love the idea of, like... You know, how like how does game development work? How do these things get talked about? How do you sell these things? And them turning it into a Watch Dogs game. I think what I mean at the end, I would say probably was the right decision. You know, I the driver, the driver name, the driver IP, as as much nostalgia as probably many of us have for it, probably isn't one of those ones that where you're like, Yeah, this is gonna sell millions millions and millions of copies. This is gonna be our next Assassin's Creed. I think them renaming it Watch Dogs and trying to trying to sell it as a new new thing, probably the smart decision because they, they ended up get, getting two sequels out of that. And so good for them. Uh, fascinating story. But Tim, the next Watch Dogs game or the next driver game, they're probably both so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mom Grab Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Out today, we got Eat Your Letters on Switch and then Curious Ew. Expedition 2. The new director update uh, is available now on Steam. New dates for you. Mini Motorways drives to Steam on July 20th and Switch quarter one 2022 and then hentai versus evil arrives on playstation 4 playstation 5 and nintendo switch this week on may 27th kevin there's a link to the trailer in the doc which i assume greg miller did on purpose and so we got to click that trailer to see what that is hentai versus evil i'm sure i'm sure that's not going to get us in trouble yeah yeah i'm sure like one one of those video game it's on the it's on the switch i'm pretty sure tim getty put the link in there by the way i i didn't I'm looking at it now, though. It's fine. 
right. And then we got Pride of Power, the first ever expansion set for Gwent, the Witcher card game. Uh, the set's first entry, Once Upon a Pyre, is coming to PC, Apple M1 Max, iOS, and Android on June 8th, 2021. All right, we're looking at Hentai versus Evil. This looks like they put... It's the Evil. <laughs> you can notice the evils on the left and right of the screen right now. Open the cages and rescue the girls. There we go. There's, so there's the... You're playing as a girl. Uh, oh, man. In an outfit, <laughs> let me tell mm -hmm. you. She has a gun. She's shooting evil. It's a third-person shooter. Are those the bad guys from... Uh... Breath of the Wild? <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> Surviving no, against demons and zombies. Oh, no, this looks like um like Stubbs the zombie almost. Because they're like zombies. <laughs> what an cute zombie. eye you have, bless. Because <laughs> they're cute zombies. They're like cartoony zombies. And it looks like SPS2 graphics. I think that's the main thing. All right, that's Yo, this looks like trash. <laughs> yeah, this looks sorry. Terrible. I am sorry. Wait, okay. wait, you don't hentai versus evil is in a masterpiece. Man, you know, another day goes by, another disappointment. Of course, people watching listening can go over to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where they can get the show ad-free, but they can also write in with their questions, just like Billy the Door did. Billy Dor the Door wrote it and says, So we all love Knockout City, but after next week, will this love stick? On one hand, modes uh, slash variety are sparse, but on the other hand, they got everything else right. Just about everyone I know who played fell in love during their first game. There's cross-play and cross-progression, and there wasn't a server nightmare this past weekend. The crossplay works so well, I was playing with people from all four major platforms with no issue. Is that enough for people to stick around? What do you think is needed to ensure people stick around? Billy, the door. Tim, Tim have you played Knockout City at all yet? Not yet. I want to, though, because all the videos you guys have been posting, I'm like, this looks fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, to answer this question, though, what I think to ensure people to stick around is, like, keep the quality up. Like, the crossplay working as well as I know Andy's been talking about that that working. This goes back to the point I was making earlier. Multiplayer games being limited to consoles is bad for them. You need this player base, especially for games like this. It being on Game Pass, fantastic. Let's get a big player base, especially in the beginning. Let them stress test it. Let them have fun. Kind of build out the metas and see what people are actually interested in doing in this game. And then just kind of keep adding on top of that. Like, I think a game like this, starting out with without that many modes is a great thing let the the modes and the the players dictate kind of where the direction uh that game should go to keep playing players happy like a rocket league yeah i 1000 percent agree i think the modes that are there work so well i've been playing a lot over the weekend and i played uh all the different modes and they were all uniquely fun like even the the 1v1 mode that i jumped into that i thought was going to be like a all right we'll just give this to the people that want to play by themselves even playing that mode i had tons of fun with the core of the game is just so good because it's literally for the most part it's just pong <laughs> where like you, you just go back and forth with the ball if you can catch the ball then you don't get out but if you can hit the ball hit the opponent with the ball then you can get them out and it's so simple but it's so fun because Everything just works around that mechanic, and there's opportunity. There's um, opportunities for teamwork. You can pass the ball. You can uh, roll up into the ball so your teammate can pick you up and throw you at the opponents. The the stuff that's there is so simple but so fun, and it works so well. And yeah, I think you keep the modes uh, to a minimum right now because you get to you get to feel out what does your community like, what does your community want, what is your community asking for, and then prioritize those things. The one critique I have with it is that I wish there were more maps, because after playing playing just this weekend, I felt like I had gotten, uh, I felt like I, I had become, uh, already become very familiar with the maps to the point where I was like, man, I wish there was another place I could play on, because I'm already like, I, I've, I've, I've already exhausted this. That aside, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to keep going back to it. The launch of this game has been such a smart one in terms of them one, positioning themselves as a Game Pass game, but then also uh, giving the game out for free for the first nine days. Uh, and of course, like after the first nine days, you'll have to buy the game. But getting the game into people's hands so they can try it out uh, and get in there and just have fun, I think is such a smart thing because I think you need to get your hands on the game in order to understand why it's so fun. I wasn't, I wasn't convinced on this game until I played it. And once I played it, I was like, shit, okay, this is really fun. Like they figured this one out. Uh, and also I want to shout out to the fact that this game feels like an EA, EA Sports big game, which we haven't gotten in a long time. It has That's that awesome. energy to it. Playing it, I forgot it was published by EA. And it from the soundtrack, from the from how fun it is, from the mechanics to the characters, 
feels like the return of EA Sports Big to the point where if they put Big on this game, like as a logo on this game, I would have been like, yo, let's fucking go. They did it. They're they're here. Um, and that's like that's the nicest thing I, I can say about this game, honestly. Yeah, and honestly, I, I feel like they're making all the right moves right now. Like again, nailing the crossplay and all that stuff, it being on Game Pass, it being on uh the EA play, it being twenty dollars if you're buying it otherwise or just want to own it digitally yourself. Those are very low numbers that's great that's a, a good entry point to be able to just play with your friends however you want keep your eye on this one i'm, I'm excited for it I, I don't know if it has the the potential to become the next rocket league seven years down the line but i don't think mm. it needs to especially it being an ea originals game like it's awesome that ea is putting out games that aren't just star wars stuff in battlefield over yeah. and over and over you know yeah this is some of the most fun i've had with a well, actually, Apex, I keep forgetting Respawn is owned by EA. I was going to say this is the most fun I've had in an EA game in a while, but aside from Respawn, I would say, yeah, this is for me the most fun I've had with an EA game in a while. Mm-hmm. Tim, every every now and then on KFCD, we have one of them rotating segments. One of those segments is required reading, which I'm pulling up for this episode. Uh, over the weekend, Kat Bailey at IGN posted an article titled Special Report, The Inside Story of Blizzard's Departures in a Company at a crossroads uh i'm gonna read a portion of it but i encourage you guys to go check it out uh, uh click on the article it's it's one of those longer ones and so and, and there's so much in there that it, it's so hard to break down on uh like just on a regular episode of kfgd but i implore people to go check it out the beginning of the article goes like this the news came the news came as a shock but it also wasn't exactly a surprise one month ago jeff kaplan announced that he would be leaving blizzard His departure ended a 19-year career at Blizzard in which he helped develop two of the most important games ever made, World of Warcraft and Overwatch. A beloved figure at Blizzard, Kaplan's departure sparked an outpouring of emotion from fans and developers alike. Quote, he was sincere when he bid the team farewell and let them know how proud he was of everything that we were able to accomplish together and how confident he was in what a lot of us consider to be one of the greatest development teams in the industry, said Aaron Keller, who succeeded Kaplan as Overwatch 2 director in an interview with IGN. Quote, it was, it was an emotional moment to hear that, to hear that from someone who you, knew, who you knew meant it and believed it, end quote. But underneath the emotion of Kaplan's departure was a more troubling narrative that had been brewing since at least 2018. If you've been following Blizzard for any amount of time, it's hard not to notice the outflow of talent from every part of the business. While Blizzard says its voluntary turnover is significantly under industry average and that departures among developers who have been with the company for longer than 10 years are in fact decreasing, several high-profile departures have contributed to the sense among fans, media, and many within the company that Blizzard is experiencing an exodus. Uh, The article goes on to talk about how uh, some feel Blizzard has been on decline over the past three or four years amid layoffs, budget cuts, and lack of major releases, and they get into detail uh, about what that is and what that looks like. Again, I implore you, go over to IGN, check out Kat Bailey, Bailey's article because she did a very good job with it, and it's very informative if you're into Blizzard, if you're into Overwatch and all this stuff, or if, you, if, if you've just been keeping up with that aspect in general. Uh, uh, go a check real, that out. A quick thing. Definitely go check that out. A quick thing I want to add. This mm-hmm. is definitely in the the rumors slash. I mean, it's news, but like we'll see what it actually turns into. That's tangentially related to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is hope. There is a glimmer of hope, blessing, for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater's future, because this weekend, oh. the the drummer from CKY, the band CKY, Bam Margera's brother, <laughs> yes. the drummer. Uh, he, Wait, really? <laughs> yes, he was he was uh, on a a podcast, and he said we CKY are doing mm-hmm. the music on the new one coming out soon. And they were talking about Tony Hawk. And CKY was only featured, if I remember correctly, in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. So are we getting Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 DLC for 1 plus 2? Is it going to be 3 plus 4 remake? Is it going to be a totally just new Tony Hawk game featuring CKY? Are we going to find out at at E3 this year? I don't know. I fucking hope this is real. I hope something's happening here. Activision, please don't break my heart like this. You fucking don't, don't kill Vicarious Visions for this, okay? When I woke up this morning, I wasn't expecting to learn on the episode of KFGD that Bam Margera's brother is the drummer for CKY. That's amazing. That's hilarious. I mean, they're all like, it's like they're intrinsically related. Yeah, right? but I never <laughs> so, realized. Like, I mean, I knew CKY was a band. I think yeah. from Tony Hawk, but I never put like I never really thought about it. And so you mentioning that, oh yeah, Bam Margera's brother was the drummer for them. That makes a lot of sense. But also, it's just news is news to me. It's it's fantastic. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, you can go to conafany.com slash you're wrong, where you write in, let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong, uh, so you can correct it for those watching later on YouTube and listening later on podcast services around the globe. Uh, let's see here. Nanobiologist writes in and says, Final Fantasy Origins was a compendium of Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy 2. Uh, people are telling me that I called it Final Fantasy Origins with an S. I will make that mistake again, likely, many times. So get used to it. Uh, Frankfurter... Oh, Frankfurter wrote in with the actual Metacritic reviews for uh, Bow. I mean, right now on PS4, sitting at a 63. PC sitting at a 68. And then Xbox is sitting at a 68. And that was it for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. We killed it, Tim. Killing the game, Bless. Love to see it. What a Monday. What a Monday. Uh, but of course, after Monday comes more days in the week. Your host for Kind of Funny Games Daily go like this. Tuesday, it's Greg and Gary Witta. Wednesday, it's me and Tim. Thursday, it's me and Tim. And on Friday, it's Greg and me. If you're watching this live on Twitch, after this is Nick and Mike playing what, Kevin? No, it's not. It's actually it's us doing a Eternals trailer reaction. Oh, you're right. You're right. We're yeah, doing an Eternals yeah. and trailer then, reaction. And then they're gonna play some some game. I don't know what. I assume it's Uncharted. I don't know. Or some shit. I, there Kevin was some talk about a, a, there there was some talk about no, I'm right here. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, no, we can hear you now. Yeah, we didn't hear you before. Them doing knockout city, right? I saw oh, that in general, shit. I feel like. And like That's I'm not gonna happening. lie, I haven't tried that game yet, so I'm trying to download it right now. Maybe we can Ooh, some video, pop you know? in. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are that are uh, subbed uh, at the silver level of patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily. <laughs>